0: Earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, killer floods, and strange weather patterns. What's going on? Well, the Bible warns we're living in a time called the birth pains of Messiah, a time of increasing tribulation before the return of the Lord Jesus to rule this earth and to crack it into shape in good order. And he'll return to Jerusalem and rule the world from the worship capital of the world, Jerusalem. That's what I'll be exploring with you today. Hello, I'm Christine Darg, and in this program, I urge you, as the Bible says in Daniel chapter 11, and verse 32, to know God, to be strong, and to do exploits for Him as He leads us. The New Testament uses a word to describe our age, a ripening, or the fullness of time. And we believers should be like the children of Issachar in the Old Testament, people who understood the times and knew what to do. If we truly understand the times, will reach to gather in the last great Gentile harvest of souls. What the Bible calls the fullness of the Gentiles precedes the national salvation of the nation of Israel. And I'm not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jewish people and then for the Gentiles. In several places in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul calls the cross the very power of God. He also calls the cross the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul declares, for the message of the cross is just foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And why is the cross so powerful? The Bible says it's powerful, but if you went out on the streets and interviewed most people today, they simply would not have that opinion. So why is the cross the most powerful object this world has ever seen? I want you to picture in your minds the shape of a cross with Jesus' arms outstretched, you know that Jesus loved the world so much, this much, that he stretched forth his arms and died for you and for me. And also by so doing, he blocked the way to hell for anybody who will cling to him and put their trust in him. The cross of Jesus had two arms. And as evangelist Reinhard Bonke says, We should never be guilty of preaching an amputated cross. The Lord is not only the Savior of the world, He's also our healer. He died for a double cure to pay for both our sins and for our sicknesses. And that is the balanced cross message, the Lord my Savior, the Lord my healer. If you preach salvation without healing or if you preach healing without salvation, You're preaching a lopsided, one-armed, amputated gospel. Some preachers preach only forgiveness of sins, while others preach healing and let souls go to eternal perdition. Hundreds of thousands have not been attracted to the power of the cross because the church has neglected to preach the healing that Jesus also purchased for anybody Who will believe in his atonement. Jesus was our substitute on the cross. Although the Bible says he had never known any sin, he paid the price to be the substitute and the penalty of our sins on the cross. And that's why the cross is so powerful. It's the means of the salvation of the world. Besides the wonderful news that our sins have been atoned for, I also want you to know that healing is available in the gospel. Others may preach a weak gospel, but we in exploits ministry preach the full power of God. Listen to how healing is available in the gospel. In the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 to 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, Jesus said, will accompany all who believe. In my name, he said, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will cast off snakes with their hands. And if they happen to drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will put their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Now healing is also available in the church through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, called the charismata, mentioned by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. It says that some people are given, by the Holy Spirit, wonder-working faith. To another believer is given extraordinary powers of healings, but by the same Spirit. For example, I know of a husband and wife team who are healing pastors. The husband has a ministry gift to heal people with bad backs. Or to put it another way, he has a lot of faith to heal people with back ailments, whereas his wife has more faith to get people healed from deafness. So they make a wonderful team. I don't care how many sicknesses, though, or disease there there are in this world, there are gifts of healing within the church to deal with every sickness and disease because God has distributed these gifts. And there is the New Testament ordinance of anointing the sick with oil. We find that in the little book of James, chapter 5, in verse 14. It's an ordinance. When the sick person calls for the elders of the church and is anointed, and the prayer of faith is prayed, not the prayer of unbelief, but the prayer of faith, then the Lord will raise up the sick person. I believe that first-class faith is just taking God at His Word and believing His healing promises at home. Sometimes all you have to do is just speak the word of healing. And we see that in Psalm 107 and verse 20, one of my very favorite verses. It says, God sends forth His Word and heals people and rescues us from destruction. And there's an example of this operation of the Spirit of sending forth the Word in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 8, where a centurion boldly approached Jesus, and he made a request. He said, only speak the Word, and my servant will be healed. Well, Jesus commended that centurion for having great faith, because the centurion didn't demand that Jesus go to the effort of a time-consuming trip to lay hands on the sick man or to go anoint him with oil. He just knew that the Lord's word right there on the spot was good enough and sufficient enough to get the job done. Amen and amen. God's healing words when sent forth from our mouth in faith will not return empty but will accomplish the healing mission for which we send his word. The first time I moved in healing miracles, I prayed for an Arab hajj, that's someone who's made the pilgrimage to Mecca. He was dying of lung cancer, and his wife had asked me if I knew a good doctor. Well, what an open door that was. I said, yes, and Jesus is the great physician. Not only did he heal me from a dangerous childhood illness, but I said he also makes free house calls 24-7. I asked them permission to lay my hands on the hodge, according to the instructions of Jesus himself in Mark chapter 16. I decided that very moment to prove God's word. Did you know that God is waiting for believers to demonstrate and to prove the veracity of his word? You'll never know if God is a healer unless you learn to prove all of the healing promises that are in this Bible. So by faith, I laid hands on the man who was wheezing and huffing and puffing. And guess what? It didn't look like anything happened. But you see, that's where most people miss it. They reach out and they start to pray And when the symptoms remain the same, there's the temptation to fall into doubt and unbelief and just say nothing happened. But we must always believe that when we do our part and sow the seed of faith for healing by obeying the Great Commission, laying hands on the sick, and commanding healing, then God does His part. Our part is finished. Now God must prove His Word as long as we remain in faith. So I left their house, and it looked like nothing had happened. The man was still wheezing and coughing, and he was much too weak to walk. And the devil left with me, accusing me of being a fool for trying to prove God's healing promises today. The devil lied and said it would never work. And what was worse, he said, I had just made a mockery of Jesus by praying in his name, and nothing had happened. But the devil is a liar. Hallelujah, the man was healed. Remember, I said, if we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. I learned days later, as one of the man's sons rushed into Christ Church, Jerusalem, where I was volunteering at that time as a tour guide to Israeli soldiers, that they had taken the old man that morning to the hospital and before an operation. They had decided to check him one more time and to take an x-ray. And behold, his lungs were perfectly healed. Hallelujah. He also received the power to quit smoking for the rest of his life. Well, God revealed way back in the beginning in the Torah that there is healing in his name. He said in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, I am Yehovah Rophe, the Lord that healeth thee. There are at least 16 Yehovah, some people say Jehovah titles in the Bible, and the Lord your physician is one of the names of God that he expects us to get to know and to prove in our lives. As wonderful as he is, don't just know the Lord as Savior. Also get to know the Lord your healer. He proved to the ancient Israelites over and over that he was willing to heal them. In Psalm 105 and verse 37, an amazing verse, it's recorded that there was not one feeble person in all of their tribes. Wow, imagine that. Nobody was sick, and that was in the Old Testament. But according to the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, Today, we have a better covenant based on the atonement of Jesus with better promises. So really, there shouldn't be one feeble person in our churches. We should all appropriate the healing stripes of Jesus. Now, we're not against doctors and nurses. They're part of God's healing team. But we mustn't put our faith only in human, fallible doctors and nurses above God. Back in the Old Testament, King Asa was one of the righteous kings in Israel's history, but he died when he stopped fully trusting in the Lord. His fate, because of his unbelief for healing, is recorded in 2 Chronicles, uh, chapter 16, and verse 12. It says, in the 39th year of his reign, King Asa was diseased in his feet until the disease became very severe. Yet in his disease, he failed to seek the Lord, but he relied instead on the physicians. So although he was a good king, he didn't have a relationship with the Lord as his healer. And do you know there are plenty of good people in churches, but they don't have any relationship with the Lord as their healer. They may know the Lord as Savior, but they don't know Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, their healer. Unfortunately, the Lord, the physician, is a stranger to them. Uh, They may only know one arm of the cross, the saving arm of the cross, but they have never proven God as their healer because they have continually relied only upon the physicians. They may know a human doctor very well, but they may never have met Jehovah Rophe, the Lord our healer. What a shame. We must settle this matter before we can go further in God, that the Lord is Savior and healer. The Lord says that, His chief concern in this hour is still the preaching of the glorious gospel. And so also should it be our concern. But nothing should be permitted to take precedence over the preaching of the power of the cross. And may the church repent of our negligence and the Lord give us a fresh commission to preach all of the gospel. We need to refresh ourselves of the great commission in Matthew chapter 28 and Mark 16 and see that it includes healing. The Lord promises that signs will follow our preaching. And in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in chapter 12 of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul lists gifts of the Spirit that will operate through us, including gifts of healings. Now, why do you think that Jesus' return to this world is delayed? It's because the Lord is not yet satisfied with the number of souls that have been saved. He wants to see a greater harvest of souls from the nations. In the scroll of the book, it is written, says the Lord, that he'll see the travail of his soul at the cross and be satisfied. The Lord says, Even as I commanded the woman at the well, give me to drink today. So I command you, he says, fulfill my thirst for souls by bringing me more souls to the foot of the cross. And I say amen to his request, quoting Psalm 67, verse 1, one of my favorites. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Why? Why? because it goes on in verse 2 that your way may be known upon the earth, your saving health, salvation and health among all nations. And the Lord has promised us power. In Acts chapter 1 in verse 8, he says we will receive power, that's ability, efficiency and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon us, and we shall be his witnesses, first in Jerusalem and then fanning out to Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. If you can believe it, that means every believer potentially has a world outreach. When we start first just preaching the gospel in our own localities, and as we're faithful, the Lord will grant us ever-widening circles of influence. But we must settle this matter once and for all on the willingness of our Lord to be our healer as well. Jesus, who was a healer and who healed all who asked healing from him, never turned anybody down. He said he was doing the will of God because he said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Did he do the will of God? Yes. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9, it is written concerning Messiah, Behold, I come to do thy will, O God. And so when you see Jesus in the Bible healing everybody, you are seeing God's will in action. For example, in Mark chapter 1, down in uh, verses 40 to 42, a leper came to Jesus, begging him on his knees, saying to him, if you are willing and if you are able, you will make me clean. And being moved with pity, sympathy, and compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and actually touched the leper and said, I am willing. In Hebrew, ani rotsei meaning literally, I want to, I want to heal you, be made clean. And at once, the leprosy completely left the man, and he was made clean, healed. And let's also look at the story from the viewpoint of St. Luke, who was, after all, a physician. Luke observed that in uh, chapter 5 of the Gospel of Luke, and verses 12 to 13, Dr. Luke records that The man was full of leprosy. So the leper was literally covered with the disease. But when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, calling him, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cure me and to make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. You see, our Lord is a willing healer. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray that God's will should be done on earth as is in heaven. Well, there are no sick people in heaven. So what is in heaven should be prayed here on earth, healing. My earliest childhood memories are being sick and the Lord coming to me as the healer and he healed me for sure. The Lord wants to be your healer. The Holy Spirit is a healing spirit. And if you're still not convinced of God's willingness to heal, please note that God's highest wish for you on this earth was recorded by the Holy Spirit in the little book in the New Testament, 3 John, and verse 2. And remember, all Scripture is God-breathed and true. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the good news of the gospel, and it covers it all. Salvation, healing, and prosperity. You should believe in healing and prosperity as much as you believe in salvation. The Lord is our healer in every area of our life. If your body needs healing today, I encourage you to get to know Jehovah Rophe, the Lord, your physician. If your mind needs healing, get to know Jehovah Rufe, the Lord who heals your depression. And if your soul and emotions need healing, get to know Jehovah Rufe, the Lord, the healer and restorer of your soul. One of my favorite verses is 1 Thessalonians 5.23 because it mentions the fact that we are a three-part being consisting of a spirit, a soul, and a body. It says, "In the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be presented blameless, intact, undamaged, one translation says, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord would say to you today, I am the Lord that heals you. I desire that you be in health. For I have a work for you to do, and you must be fighting fit. I am the Lord, he says. I hate feebleness. Appropriate therefore yourselves my stripes, the stripes of Jesus, whereby I purchased your healing. Embrace the healing arm of the cross. You trust me for salvation. Trust me also for your health. I shall keep you, the Lord says, in sickness if you trust me to do it. Never forget that it is the Lord's will for you to be in health and to prosper, even as your soul prospers. The Lord says, have I not kept you until this day? I command your vigor and health to return. The Lord says, serve me with fresh energy and with a new power. My joy shall be your constant strength and your portion. Let me be your first consultancy physician, says the Lord. So I encourage you now to make a conscious decision to take the Lord, not only as Savior from all your sins, but healer from all your diseases. Allow the Holy Spirit to come over you to drive out all infirmity and sickness from your body. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13, my house shall be called a house of prayer not a den of thieves and robbers. And don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So don't allow your body to be the hangout of thieves and and robbers. Satan is nothing but a thief. He wants to steal your health. Let the Lord take the whip of the Holy Spirit. And just as he drove the money changers out of the temple of God, he will drive out of your body every symptom of sickness And feebleness. What is robbing you of your strength and vitality today? It never ceases to amaze me how many believers are victims of some sort of tiredness syndrome. But let the Lord drive out exhaustion along with arthritis and 101 other symptoms that are pulling you down. You see in order to do exploits for the Lord we must be flexible and never rely on old patterns, but to be ready to receive from the Holy Spirit our marching orders and strength in these last days. Smith Wigglesworth, that apostle of faith who was so famous in the last century, said that if the Holy Spirit doesn't move me, I move the Holy Spirit. He didn't mean those words in any irreverent way. He just meant that a believer can Take a step of faith towards God, and then God will see that and honor your step of faith and then move towards you. And that's the same idea that Paul expressed in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, where he said, "'Stir up the gift that is within you.'" Interestingly, Smith Wigglesworth also was not ashamed to minister healing to others while he himself was poorly weak or waiting on God for a healing. This is because the truth of God's Word is always greater than the messenger. Now, if you've never prayed for the sick, it's time to get started. And I want you to make a step of faith right now. To sum up what we've said so far, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. And His redemption is for everybody equally, male and female. Salvation through Jesus' atoning death and resurrection is a free gift. You can't just earn it, but you must receive it. With religion, nothing is free. Religion only uses people and makes people come back for a little bit more forgiveness. But with Jesus, forgiveness is permanent. It is everlasting. Call upon the name of the Lord while You may yet be saved.